Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Please take a second to subscribe on iTunes. And for future episode information and additional content, head over to HerdPodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at HerdPodcast. Welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Nick Britsky. Hello. Vato. What's up? Uh, and our special guests, Dorothy Hernandez and Jake Williams from Serap, a Filipino pop-up. Kamusta. Hello. A little later, we'll be talking, talking to Jake and Dorothy about the Philippines, Filipino food, the Metro Detroit pop-up scene, and more. But first... Nick, just let me know that yesterday was National Whiskey Day. Yeah, I would have actually had a photo, but uh, I had my camera set to bulb mode. Do you even know what bulb mode is? N- no. I didn't learn what it was until yesterday. You, As long as you hold the shutter, it stays open. The shutter stays open. Like as long as you hold the button. I, okay. I knew that, I knew yeah, that. you know what? Because you're like a professional. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, why do my photos look like garbage? I took out every bottle of whiskey I owned, which is 105 bottles. Lined them up on my table in this beautiful, organized loveliness, and I put one glass in front and took a photo. I'm like, this looks like shit. I was pissed. Was it whiskey with an EY or a Y? Depends where you're coming from. Ooh. But I think I was going to do E because I think that's the majority of the international. But yeah, so I have no proof that yesterday was International uh, Whiskey no Day. No proof, get it? It's a Boom. alcohol joke. <laughs> so yeah. But um, thank you so much to Valentine. Valentine uh, gave us a bottle of their 10-year-old Mayor Pingree, and a bunch of us are sipping on that right now. So explain what Mayor Pingree... Uh, Apparently he's a mayor of Detroit or something. Uh, what? what? When what? was... Okay, I was born in 81. Was he <laughs> mayoring during then? Uh, anybody downtown sees a statue of him every time they drive down Woodward. Uh, incredible uh, mayor for... 1890 uh, to 1897. I was super not alive yet. So they had these things called books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, probably a, there's probably an app out there... Uh, Mayor me up for you, yeah, maybe. Uh, huge in the uh, uh, in the uh, community garden type. Uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, agriculture scene for for the city. Uh, it was like his big thing uh, as a mayor uh, back then to uh, help stimulate the economy and bring people back to work and have them start their urban urban farms. I mean, I'm not doubting his usefulness to the city. I, it but sounds to me like you're doubting a little did, bit. There's not like Pingree Stadium or anything. Did he enjoy whiskey? Is that something? There is that, a statue. Yeah. Again, with the statue. I'm going to have to find but, it. Did, but did he enjoy whiskey or is, that just, is this just like an homage to? I think it's an homage because, okay. you know, Valentine uh, is very tied to the city and they wanted to kind of show off something and, you know, do a little history lesson. So look at that. I've learned something. We all learned something. Not Vato. He's he knows everything. Oh yeah, he knew oh. he knew it already. Um, so you were taking a photo of the bottle of Mayor Pingree. Oh, he's twenty like fourth governor of Michigan too. How about that? And we're up to seventy fifth, right? No, that wait, what? I think isn't D- isn't Dugan seventy fifth? Duggan, Dugan, Doogie Hauser? Those are mayors. Yeah, he's we're talking. It's just a governor. Governor. Wait, he's the governor. <laughs> he was, I don't I don't know any of this stuff. He was it's a governor a, and a mayor. It says mayor. It says mayor right here. <laughs> he's governor and mayor. All right. Well, good for him. He was mayor from uh, 19, 1890 to eighteen ninety seven. We already went over that. It's on the back of the bottle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, so you're taking a photo. Yes. You might Instagram that photo. I, I will by the time anyone listens to this. Yes. Now, let's talk about Instagram for a second. There is. Oh, you were trying to do a segue. I kind it. of. That was but, that was clever. Uh, Looks like a big brown guy. What? <laughs> I'm showing the statue. Is that on Instagram? No, it's not pertinent. He looks. Whoa, he looks like a uh, Lenin or Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> More like Lennon. Lennon? Yeah, Lennon. Yeah, Lennon. He's just, yeah Stalin's got very, the hair. Lennon's the bald yeah, guy. Yeah, he's yeah, very yeah. serious. And uh, Detroit Free Press in 2015 says, the day Detroit got its greatest mayor. Huh? Till now. Big, okay, big okay so, so let's jump over to Instagram. Let's stop talking about Detroit mayors. That has nothing to do with food or beverage or hospitality. Or All agriculture. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. It's <laughs> agriculture. Fine. Whatever. Uh, Instagram. 
And let's talk about the glut of uh, food Instagram accounts that have popped up uh, in the last few years. I, you know, I, Hungry Dudes is my biggest complaint right now. It, it's Ugh. well They're the worst. Yeah. Well, that one's pretty bad. But that we've been the Hungry Dudes have been around. We've been doing that for eight years. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and not to say it, we're 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 the we're the grandparents at this point. We're we're like the get off my lawn, you young whippersnapper <laughs> Instagram account. Um, blog, whatever. You know, we've been around forever. Um, every day, though, uh, I seem to get requests from all these new accounts. And I understand that everybody eats. Okay. Does everybody need to share their food? Well, I mean, it, it, it certainly has changed the food culture, I feel like, because it's getting people more engaged and involved, I feel like. You know, if you look kind of prior to a lot of the social media, I don't think people were as involved or excited about food. But now kind of seeing the um, – what's the word? FOMAL? The, oh. Where you're like – you want to like go and do what everyone else is doing? FOMO. 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 Oh, hey, yeah. hey Siri, what does FOMO mean? <laughs> Fear of missing out. Uh, is she looking? Oh, F-O-M-O. it does say. It's an informal term. It means anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere. That's fantastic. Often aroused by posts seen on a social media website. We need to use Siri more often. That's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. So then, what you're saying is people are trying to instill FOMO in other people. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, or you you are afraid of missing out. Like, look at all the great stuff that's happening in Detroit. You know, five plus years ago, there it was more of the you know the restaurants we grew up with, but there wasn't this great excitement with some of the new stuff. I'm trying not to leave anyone out because I know there there is good things still happening, but there's this new excitement about the new restaurants that are there, and I think that has kind of engaged people to like go out and explore their city more. Uh, so, you, Dorothy, you you, uh, you work for our Detroit magazine, and um, how does how does Instagram how has it affected the way you guys work? Well, for us specifically, we're a very visual brand, so Instagram is a natural platform for us because we're all about like big, beautiful photographs. So that's what we like to use Instagram for. So, do do you use it for um, do you? post professional photos from the magazine or do you post like around town things or both or like what, what is there like a, um, I would say it's a mix. Like we do a lot of the photography that's in the magazine because, you know, we're trying to use, you know, our assets and that's what we're known for. Um, and then also we're, we like to position ourselves as the arts and entertainment um, resource. So it's, if we're out and about, we'll also post from there, but we're very, um, very, particular about what we post and our web editor um shout out to lexi um she is really great about um posting really great um beautiful photographs as well because that's part of our brand and um also for Sarap, we try to post things that are beautiful too and um we've used a photographer named joe hakim and he has amazing photos and we've also posted that too like i feel for like for um our instagram if it doesn't look good i'm not going to post it because that's the I feel like Instagram is the platform where you put beautiful photos on. So, so okay, so this that's a good point, right? So there are a, a number of food accounts that I've noticed that tend to use flash uh, on, mm, the, on, on, no. their, on the food on no. the photos and um, tend to not know how to angle, take a compose a shot properly. Um, but they have sixty, seventy, eighty thousand followers and i'm not you know it's not going to name name accounts but um why do you think that these accounts strike uh some sense of like people recognize even a a plate of spaghetti that's been taken with a flash in a poorly lit room like what why is that why is that something that people like to see I think I think it's because a lot of people don't know how to take a photo and they're like, that looks just like my photos. So, I mean, like not not to be mean to anybody who's not taking like excellently composed pictures, but a lot of people, those are the pictures that they take. If you look around social media, they're like, I can totally relate to that. So I I, I, I have no idea really is, the, is my answer. I mean, I just have no idea why anyone gravitates to that. I mean, I guess it's maybe it's a. F- Fear of telling anybody else that their work sucks. Like you don't want to tell a chef like, oh, what do you think of this? Oh, it's horrible. You know, you don't want to do that because it's rude or it's just unkind, I guess you could say. But same thing with the with the food stuff. And then, I don't know, uh, 
restaurants, you know, they don't, it's not like they allow it, but I have seen some signs in some places around the country that say, you know, no Instagramming here. And then I've also seen a, oh, interesting. I also seen a story where they actually had a uh, uh, like almost like a, a tent set up that you could take your dish to and you can take Instagram photos and it was a you know the white uh, kind of tent and well lit whatnot. Oh, mm-hmm. or like a little white box room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sometimes they'll even like if you want to take Instagram photos, like the chef will have you come back into the kitchen where it's brighter, so shoots it in a better light. Or I mean, like um, what comes to mind is Katoy. If you've ever taken a picture in there without any light. Um, it's like 17,000 different colors. It's blue or purple <laughs> half the time the photos uh, turn out. So, Well, I, I mean the difference too is that people aren't like us. I'm, I'm editing every picture I take. Every picture I take on, you know, with my phone is edited before it's posted. There's, I don't, don't post anything that's unedited. And, and the average person who's posting, average foodie or whatever, isn't editing anything. They're not using any editing software. No, nothing in post. And, well, do they have to? So I mean yes. that is – they do. <laughs> Absolutely they have to because the lighting is just not – you're well, not doing food uh, photography lighting while you're going out to eat. I mean it's just not happening, right? So you have to do some kind of editing. The, the room is too dark. The lights are too you know, yellow, whatever it is. The food is coming out. It's not exactly what you want. The composition is wrong. So you've got to crop. You've got to do contrast see, change. You've got to do have, color change. You've got to crisp it up a little bit. Um, I have friends that will argue with you that Instagram should be much more spur of the moment and – what you're, what's happening right now, what you're doing, and they're they're very much against the superposed, hyper processed image that you're talking about. Now, I I'm I'm totally with you because I end up editing all of my yeah, video, fo- photos too. Maybe for an everyday kind of thing, like I'm just going out, I'm showing you my out and about. But if you're, you know, proposing to be a food blog, mm-hmm. then your stuff should look Step nice. It up. I mean, I, I don't think your stuff should look like it's just. You know, take it with disposable camera and oh. flash. And okay, guys, I get it. I'll uh, start editing my photos. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think this is an interesting point because I, I think Jake, you touched on this a little bit when you said like the chef can call you back into the kitchen and say take photos in a better light. Um, the idea of Instagram and, I, and Nick, you, you got towards this is like I'm this kind of Instagram right now. Sorry, or, or <laughs> it's okay. No, no, no apologies needed. Um, this uh, idea of like an organic experience, right? So. When a photo is hyper stylized, um, and not not saying, uh, not even hyper stylized. Say, chef calls you back to the kitchen, or um, there is a group of people that are obviously um, Instagramming together, and all of a sudden, like maybe the restaurant's closed aside from them. Maybe they come in separately as like a separate group of people. Um, how is that experience? Uh, you can convey the experience on Instagram as like, oh, look at this great food, but is the experience for someone just walking into the restaurant during a busy time going to be the same? I mean, I, I, I don't think so. Like, um, you know, just as an example, like when I've seen some of the hungry dudes, um, photos and stuff, like, how did they get that awesome light on there? You know, like this isn't just like a, an instant shot. It's not an Instagram really. Right. So, I mean, um, and I, and I know there's the horrible pun in there, but like for, for me, it's like, what, what time of day were they at the restaurant, you know, and took these photos and so forth? Like I've seen multiple shots, uh, from different restaurants and I'm like, there is no light in here when they're open like this, you well, know? So for me, mm-hmm. I, and I can't speak for Joe necessarily, but for me, everything that I've shot on there is when I'm there eating with my phone, uh, with the, whatever light it is. I mean, seriously, it's just that I'm, it's, I shoot it before, you know, I put, stick my fork into it or anybody at the table gets a fork into it. I shoot it. I eat some, and then as I disengage from my family or my friends or whatever, I start doing some quick editing, uh, and then I'll either post it right then or I'll do some editing as as I leave. And but it takes like seconds for me to edit. I mean, it's just really really quick. But I honestly just do it right then and there. Everything that I post is something that I'm consuming uh, during normal business hours. And is it on your phone or is it on a DSLR? All on my phone when my I'm phone? on. I mean, I, I've. I have some shots, mm-hmm. of course, that are uh, with the regular camera, um, and I don't use any exterior lighting or anything like that for that as well. Uh, but anytime I'm out to eat, anytime I'm posting on Hungry Dudes uh, on Instagram and Twitter, it's with my phone. That's even more depressing to know that the two of you guys are basically both using your phone. I feel so inadequate right now. It's uh, you get used to working under certain conditions, and also these, there's editing programs. Mm-hmm. There's a number of them. You showed um, me a couple, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I use PickTap Go. Uh, That's all I use now. Ever since you showed it to me, I, I had some other stuff. Uh, you know, Hipstamatic. I had Photoshop Express, all different ones. I only use PickTap Go. And, I mean, it literally takes me seconds to do. But you get so used to what you're doing. I, I almost have the same formula every time that I do it. And, um, it be, because most of the time, and Jake, like, like you were saying, like, Taking photos in I a was searching for PickTap Go. Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, inter- inter- interestingly, though, it's not available on the Android. Because uh, uh, I had a bunch of Android friends that um, wanted it, and I'm like, oh, sorry, it doesn't come on the Android. Interesting. The, 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 taking photos in a restaurant is an optimal. It rarely ever is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think it, part of what we what we try to do with the Hungry Dudes is try to convey a sense of um, like an organic experience. Right? Sure, yeah. Um, it's usually you know us out uh, – Usually it, it, by ourselves, like not eat, dining out alone per se, but like with one other person or a group. But there's no sense of like the restaurant doesn't know we're there. Um, we, it's been a long time since that that's been the case. Uh, except when I was working for Channel Seven, when, when that was like a was more like a feature, right? Um, so this brings up another point. So there are restaurants that are paying people to take photos. All right, and there is a well. Hold on, qualify that. Because restaurants have always paid people to take photos. You're saying uh, Instagram. paid. Okay. Pa- paid, oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Social yeah, media yeah. in general. Yeah, Social yeah. media. Yeah. For, for posts, right? For, um, for airtime on uh, widely followed accounts. Okay. Um, and then on Instagram, it's not mandated. But, you know, if you're following the rules, you're supposed to hashtag. Who, whose rules? Like just common decency or is this like an Instagram thing? I, I don't I, I know from like the public relations world, you can get in a lot of trouble if you don't mm. disclose. FTC. Uh, yeah. 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 This is a disclosure issue, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Um, that was like our craft piece. You, you mean like yeah. journalistic integrity? Yeah, like yeah. You don't- no, I think there's actually FTC rulings that mm. say if you don't say it's um, advertiser Sponsor, content. Sponsored, yeah, sponsored uh, content. Yeah. We, we actually SP. had – Hashtag SP. Yeah. Yep. And for those of you that don't know what that is, because most people don't, that means sponsored post. And it's usually hidden in a, in a mess of other hashtags. So unless you're looking for it, um, you're going to think that you're just looking at an organic experience of some sort. Um, so we just looked it up before we started. And you're estimating it started around 18 months ago? The the SP stuff? Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, but I started reading articles about it about that 18 months ago. Yeah. And Vato was saying he found how many listings? Ten and, uh, ten and over 10 and a half million. Yeah. So it's a lot of sponsored content out there. Yeah. Now, yeah. And I don't know. Like, this isn't even – I don't know if this is even including the official Instagram sponsored posts. Like, uh, Ackroyd sponsored – we have a couple sponsored posts running and it just says sponsored across the top. But you're paying for it through Instagram <laughs> slash through Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know we, we make no like we're not like trying to hide the fact that it's a sponsored post. It's doing it does quite well. It works. Um, but so I, I, I would think there's some differences in sponsored posts too. Like there's a sponsored post where somebody is taking a picture or promoting a pro- product, saying that this is something that you everyone should like. Right. That's one way of sponsoring it. But the other way to sponsor too is to say. Okay, I'm going to give you money to put it up there, but you put whatever you're going to put. I'm not influencing that. And I was, you know, mentioned before, that's kind of what happened with us in craft. The one time that we had really anything sponsored, it wasn't on Instagram, but it was on our site, is uh, we did. Craft Foods. It's a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craft Heinz, yes. Craft Heinz? Yeah. Oh, okay. Craft Heinz. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so we. So I did a uh, I did a post about uh, the fresh take line that Kraft had, and mm-hmm. you know we got got a fifty buck gift card out of it, and I had to put on there, and it was a sponsored post. But they didn't say you you have to say this is good. You you know right. so I got to say whatever I wanted right. to. But so there's two kinds I would think of sponsored posts that which are out is there. how it should be. I mean, you are not writing for Kraft. You no, but I bet some your... people are out there on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, this is the best place in the world. You should go there. Lying through their teeth. Right. Well, so this brings up a couple other points. So if you're getting the food for free and you're not getting paid anything. Well, or if you're getting like like uh, liquor sent because I get bottles of liquor sent to me all the time. Right. Is that sponsored post? I always say I get it for free. Yeah. But do I say sponsored at that point? I I, I don't know the answer. I have no I, I don't know what the definition of a sponsored post is. Um, and I don't know if, if you go to a restaurant and they sponsor, you know, like they, uh, you, you have a whole half their menu and then just, we the, went to an Italian restaurant just, just this week. Right. And yeah. they gave us food. Right. 
do we didn't I didn't say anything. I, I didn't post anything about it. So no, I didn't. Uh, yeah, um, I don't. I, I personally don't think. I mean, I don't have the rules according to Hoyle, but I don't think it's a sponsored post if someone um, you know gives you like an app or get. I mean, if they take off your whole bill and there's no contract, there's no like you know quid pro quo type deal. Personally, I don't feel like that's a sponsor. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Here's like. Uh, I don't think that if a chef brings out a, an extra course and you pay for the meal, that's not a that's not spot that's not anywhere near yeah, yeah, yeah. the same thing, right? That's a little gimme. That's a hookup for whatever, right? And then like you know, Jake, Dorothy, you guys had the dinner at your place. Uh, it was you know invite only. It was to test out menu testing. That's something that you want people to know too. Mm-hmm. It's not something that it's not a sponsor. You're not sponsoring anything. You didn't pay us. Yeah, and and at the same time, we we didn't we weren't like make sure you Instagram Joe from Hungry Dudes like. Right. If you want to put social media out there because you're happy or you want to show something, then that's fine. But in no way did we invite exclusively people that we thought would post mm. positive things about us. So you we were grab acting. the phone on the way out and yeah. be like, "Where's your post?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, I unfriended him, but you know that's different. So <laughs> you know that brings us for different we, reasons. We have had we've had, had situations like that though, where you know everyone from social media was invited to events. And the anticipation is that, yes, you are going to post something about this because we... Certain big companies do certain parties on top of certain buildings, and I've been invited to those things, and I'm sure that's what they're expecting. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the whole influencer branding yeah. path that people are trying to go down now, where, where I feel like it's some type of grab where you can get pretty inexpensive uh, publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, where you don't want to do the work of a, a, a whole marketing campaign. So you say, I'm going to get I'm going to look up the 10 biggest Instagram accounts in the area, invite them to a party, and hope, hope that, yeah, yeah. Or, or tell them to even, like what, you, you know, what you're saying, or, or give them gifts. But I feel like the, those people are getting savvy too. Like, I bet if you looked up the top 10 Instagrammers in Detroit and you said, hey, come to this party, they're going to be like, what's that for me? Well, I'm going I'm to ask you real quick. What do you think? How would you define what are the 10 biggest? Is it their followers? Is it the uh, yeah, I'm going strictly by numbers. Most so, time okay. it's followers. However, yeah. there was one brand that engaged me that said you do not have enough engagement on your um, photos. They said you have enough followers, but you don't have enough engagement, and that was the first time that ever happened to me. It's a wine company. That's interesting. Yeah, they wanted 10 percent engagement, and I was like, holy shit. Well, so so there, there there are Instagram accounts out there and Facebook pages where there's you can have forty thousand dollars. You could have paid for thirty five thousand. Exactly, and, and I'm sure that's part of it. Click yeah. Farms, or whatever they're right, called, right? right? Mm-hmm. So. If there's a lack of engagement, which also has to do with an algorithm, right? Like we have no control over what people see and what they like, um, but there is a sense that you could have a bunch of fake followers too. Yeah, or you could have a uh, someone that's handling your social media that's you know really dedicated towards this versus somebody else who doesn't engage, you know, doesn't put that into advertising. I feel like we're watching the De- Detroiters now talking about advertising. <laughs> we're missing the episode right now, isn't it? When's it going on? Is it in? eight o'clock? We yeah. got a little time. Okay, I DVR. So, but but the the, the fact factor that wasn't like, a sponsored post. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. I like it. They got picked up again for another season. So I'm very excited. Um, so when we say sponsored post, are we talking strictly about the uh, handing over of money? Then, like, wh- wh- if it's a free meal, the other night I was at a uh, an event at Gregos for doers. Like it was it was a free meal, but it was obviously a free meal. Like it was there was no no sense that you could the only buy way tickets. you could get in yeah yeah um, is that sponsored I, I mean I, I don't know I, I think for me part of the sponsored post is that you were solicited you being whoever is posting the blogger the whatever was solicited by the organization to do something now if you just show up on your own your you know casual diner whatever show up on your own you decide to post and someone picks up your tab. I don't necessarily think that's soliciting. I think it's communication. It comes down to, you know, hey, this dinner was provided to us. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. This is how we feel. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's, it's like the difference between being, like, very transparent yeah. or covert. So, And that's where, like, some of the lines of, like, blogs and even social media start to blur and whether or not there's, like, journalistic integrity and so forth. I mean, I think that's kind of, like, the root of what you're getting at here is that – that summing some of it up like am i am, do i have seventy thousand followers and then i'm like hey i wonder what free meal i'm gonna get today you know or who's gonna hook me up or you know well, so. th- there's an app uh i think it's based out of chicago <laughs> called uh, popular pace mm-hmm. and uh they um, we got donuts out of it yes oh yeah you were with it. Yeah, yeah right um donuts 
Wait, yeah, Joe yeah, got me free donuts. Yeah, so you. Sorry. So I just heard, uh, you know, cop, cop food and Vato when you're traveling, like if you're in Chicago. Um, <laughs> well, the, if you have ten thousand, because it right. didn't give them to me. Well, you can connect a hungry dude's account to Popular Pays, and you instantly have twelve thousand. We have, yeah, plenty and, of and, uh, and <laughs> thank you, Nick. <laughs> Nick. Nick has more than us. Does he? Uh, yeah. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a competition, Vato. Um, so, but. Uh, yeah, this this app pays you for the amount of followers. That's it, just for the amount of followers. So if you, they don't know if you bought, you know, your followers. Well, uh, you're supposed to post. How were the, what were the rules? On oh that? right, yeah. So we went to the don't what uh, stands donuts. donuts or whatever yeah. it was, and um, got a donut, and they said, oh yes, yeah, is you know. So you showed them the app. It's for, like free donut. Yep, and then you hashtag the the photo of the donut popular paste. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Hmm. And it doesn't even have to, to be a good to, picture. Do you have to show them the um, the, the, the app, the, the photo the picture? Nope. Oh no, they, they, hmm. it's it's honor system. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Hmm. I'm sure they tie it back to something like uh, Joe's on the the debt. Well, the I'm sure list. the restaurants have to pay for the service, or someone's oh. paying for the oh. service. Oh, right? totally. And yeah. they're losing Who the donut. <laughs> so. And they're losing the donut. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But donuts a low cost type of thing, though. And this this yeah. is the other thing. So you know, if, if a restaurant calls you in and they give you a bunch of free food, it's it's a there's a cost involved, but it's a lower cost than paying a marketing, mar- person. marketing person. Yeah, a plate of food's way cheaper than like uh, advertising expense. So, I mean, it, it just—I mean, from being in the industry, it, I would much rather invite like four or five Instagrammers to come in with high-value accounts and show the new menu than me pay a marketing firm. You know, but the, so. but the, the problem with that too, and I'm not trying to cut my head off for this, but the problem with that is that once it's up there, I mean. Ideally, we're going to post again in the next you know day or two, and mm-hmm. that's going to go down yep. and down and down. And unless you're hashtagging, searching for it, I mean, you're going to lose what you would have gained in, in some type of advertising push or some type of media blitz, right? But if, if you do aggregate, you know, a hundred of those, then that's that's some mass, and that I'm sure that adds to the Google juice mm-hmm. too. And so, yeah, as I, long as they're all taking good pictures and they're I, hashtagging yeah. right. I know multiple times where I've seen Instagram accounts. I'm like, oh, that looks really good. I didn't even know about that place. And then I go there and eat there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it definitely works, you know. So, And, and is there any sense of um, reliability that pops that is distorted if there's a number of sponsored posts in a row for an account? So are you you saying, like, when we went to your house for dinner, is there a certain, like, amount of feedback you want, too, that, particular there's other accounts that maybe couldn't give you that feedback because you don't trust their opinions all right before you answer that do you trust yelp reviews no no i think it's the same thing so anti-review same yelp. Thing. i think the same thing you're, well, so, you're using your judgment to you know <clears throat> yelp is anonymous well well, well right i mean that's but if well, you don't know all the publisher if you don't know all the people that are sharing the photos you could argue it's anonymous too on instagram I'm, Basically, you're seeing all these photos, and you're using your judgment. Okay, was this paid? Was this not? But if it's but we're for me when we're talking about like IG and you're looking at more reputable, you know, uh-huh. blogs. Yeah, most people in the industry know who those people are, and that mm-hmm. takes away the you know anonymous factor of it. So if if we post a picture about something and like, oh, it's you know, hundred dudes, right? I, yeah. I mean, but, I I I pretty much only follow people that either I've met or or I know well enough. Where I think that they're not like covertly trying to steer me wrong with certain posts and mm-hmm. so forth like that. So, and uh, Yelp, you're going to come across these, you know, customers who just really had a bad day, and yeah. you know, or like I one starred my doctor because he forgot to like say hello to me, you know. So, well, the, I think the other thing with Yelp, and I, I use Yelp in different cities. Uh, it, if you look at restaurants and say they have over a hundred reviews and they have north of four stars, it's probably a pretty safe mm-hmm. place to go. But right. is, remember, I don't know if it's still a controversy or not, but the controversy before that, uh, you know, you, you Yelp was having restaurants pay for uh, having, you know, kicking off the bad reviews and keeping the good reviews up on the top. So, I mean, well, I know several chefs yeah. in the industry who are like, no, yep. you know, the people at Yelp came to me and said, yeah, we, you, <laughs> you better start giving us some money or otherwise we're going to have all the negative reviews here. So... That's that's a whole nother. Yeah, issue it's probably another topic. I just, I again, I feel like with Instagram, you're using your judgment. Like, okay, this Instagrammer who I know posts at some crazy restaurants that maybe I would never go to, I'm factoring that into my judgment when I look at his photos. Yeah, or I mean, her, not to point out anyone directly. And to the other point, though, I mean, someone could say that to anybody who's on IG and say, you know, I'm paying you to only post about you know my stuff, you know, 
you know, that goes to the sponsored idea. If they're not posting that they're sponsored, sure, sure, then, you know, is it tainted? I guess, and uh, right, maybe, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm trying. I mean, posing yeah. the question, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so we're gonna go to break, and then we'll be back to talk Filipino food and pop ups with Jake and Dorothy. Welcome back to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. And now we're we've been talking with Jake and Dorothy the whole show so far, but we're going to talk specifically about Filipino food and their pop up syrup. Jake, Dorothy, uh, talk about Filipino food for a second. What, for those of us that don't know what Filipino food is, <laughs> this is so abrupt. Just like talk about everything, everything about Filipino foods. What is Filipino? Okay, Philip, just, the just Philip, read it's, the Wikipedia it's food article from the Philippines. Philippines. All right, thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what, okay, flavor profiles of Filipino food. Some of the some of the general kind of flavor profiles. It really depends because the Philippines is made out of seven thousand plus islands, so it depends on where you go. It, um, if you go to where my dad is from in Manila, um, it's going to be very different from where my mom is from, which is Bicol. And that's where we went to. We spent a lot of time in Manila in our recent trip, but also Beagle. And I think Jake can attest to how different the food was in each region, right? Like, yeah, I mean, we we went. We were in the Philippines for thirteen solid days, uh, and took like nine planes, five boats, a whole bunch of buses, and traveled traveled all. No over. jeepneys, though. No jeepneys. <laughs> although we did see a lot of them. Um, but um, you could easily spend probably like three or four weeks in every single region and still only have like a minute understanding of what mm. the actual food is like. There's more regional food, uh, in my opinion at least, than all of Italy. You know, Nick was saying before the podcast that there's really like a lot of fusion you're well, such a jerk. Well, 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 you know, you know, that's that's actually it, it's fu- it's funny that you say that. And like a lot of people think that it it is like fusion food. For the record, I did not. You did totally. were saying it ahead of time. <laughs> so so, uh, but but there's just been there's been so many influences uh, that sometimes it comes off as fusion food, you know. But it's definitely got its own history. It's it's history on a plate. There's there's so much. Um, influence uh, from all the the trading areas, and you know, uh, influence of like Chinese and Malay and Japanese, and then of course before before King Philip in Spain came and you know uh, conquered the Philippines, uh, it wasn't called the Philippines; they were each called their own regions and so forth. And, wow. and then you have all the influence of like Spain and traveling around from you know basically you can draw um, like a line from Tijuana to Manila. So you have all the influences of, uh, and I do this in air quotes, all the new world foods. So, you know, chocolate and corn and all, and peppers and all the other things that came with world trade at that point in time. So, so, so the Philippines, you said 7,000 7, islands? 7,000. So, how, how big uh, geographically is the Philippines in terms of like. Uh, Compare it to another country? Is that what you're uh, A country or a state or something uh, like that, you know? J- Japan. Roughly about the okay. size of Japan. Yeah. Uh, roughly, okay. I mean, like if if you're gonna, a lot of people know what Japan look like looks like geography wise, you know. So right. About so the same size. Th- these islands are very tightly, like close together. Yeah, they're like, they're very long, like Japan. That's why I use that. So like from the 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 north to the south, uh, there's definitely different climates without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So. Um, even even though mo- like ninety five percent of it's very tropical, um, you know, like in the north, uh, some of the weather could be like um, like northern Alabama, so it, you know it might get kind of cold and so forth like that. Where the south is very uh, into the equator and very very tropical, like what what we would consider like very picturesque tropical equator uh, area in the wor- world. So the difference in the uh, the distance between uh, Manila and Bicol. Is it's about like um, nine or ten hours. Um, okay. There's like one road that you take to get there, and in some places, it's not very. We we very would good. Con- <laughs> we would consider it like a like a state highway almost. Yeah, like you know, like it, one it, lane road. It'd be like twenty four. You know, like going up the the road after you get off seventy five into like Traverse City or something like that. So, and so how, how does this? Um, so you have before this is your. This isn't your first time in the Philippines, right, Dorothy? No, but I haven't been there since I was about 11. 
So it's been a long time. Okay. And so this is your first, first adult trip. First adult trip. Yes. And Jake, this is your first time My, there. Yeah, first first time there. So you, you so, so Sarap existed before your trip. Correct. Yes. Um, so now you have a uh, a, pr- a pre-Philippine Sarap and a post-Philippine Sarap. How is that how is it going to differ? That's insightful. Um, uh, at least for, uh, and I'll let Dorothy comment a little bit, but after, um, after going there, I really felt like, um, like, you know, I had a good understanding of the food that Dorothy's mother cooked, uh, as far as Filipino food, but, uh, we met so many chefs and so many like culinary people and went to so many different regions and just eating food, uh, with her, uh, large uh, family, especially in Beacle, and like experiencing, uh, you know, like really being immersed, like in the the food, like uh, just, I mean, being able to like pick fresh coconuts and like, uh, you know, traveling through uh, the Philippines and looking at the scenery and visiting different places. Um, uh, I would say it it is it is eighty percent different. Uh, from from how it was, I would I would say it has improved vastly, and and our focus is more, especially on the food because we sent, spent so much time in it, and to honor Dorothy's mother, uh, the food from Beagle, which which like Dorothy said, every region has its own type, uh, but there's some specific foods like coconut and sealy peppers, which is a special hot pepper that are unique to just kind of the food that's in Beagle. So that's that's going to be more of our focus. Along with some of you know like mainstay favorites and so forth like that. I have a question: Is there a uh, typical Filipino dish that's like a staple for uh, you know what people who may not have, you know eat Filipino food? Uh, yeah. So when I tell people that I'm Filipino, they're like, "Oh, um, do you make lumpia?" And that's um, the fried egg rolls. So everyone knows lumpia. Um, except Nick, <laughs> I got you, Nick. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's but it's, it's just like a deep fried uh, spring rolls. Um, and I am so bad with Filipino food. Like, hey, is there a big Filipino restaurant in the area? That's kind of where you guys come um, in, right? No, not really. I mean, I don't know. I'm not from Detroit originally. I'm from Chicago, and part of the reason why I wanted to do Syrup. And I was telling Jake was, you know, there's not a lot of places to mm-hmm. do Filipino food, um, so we should do a pop up because I saw that there was a lot of opportunity with different um, pop up restaurants in the area doing different things that you wouldn't get in a restaurant. So that's kind of like why we started because, like, I saw a void. Not to diminish all the Filipino restaurants that are already here because there are there are yeah, quite a few. There, there. Well, I know of two. Uh, I know one. Well, I don't know if it's still there. There's one in 14 Mile in Ryan in Warren. And then there's another at, um, I think, 18 Mile in DeQuinder that I know is there. But that's not a restaurant. That's just a market that serves hot food as well. Um, actually, the one at 14 Ryan's the same thing, but they have a sit-down area. Mm-hmm. They had a sit-down area. Um, so we're talking about northeast metro Detroit for the we, most part. Yeah, yeah, Macomb County. Yep. Um, and uh, the one in Warren, when uh, when I had my previous job, uh, when I was, used to work for Macomb County, um, I uh, tried Dinaguan. Which mm-hmm. is a, a a blood duck? Is it not duck blood? Pork, pork, pork blood. blood. Pork. pork blood stew. Um, adobo, which I think is fairly well known too. It's probably the most yeah. well known like regional uh, food. So you know, there's a, there's a variation of it uh, in every region. So what's so. adobo? Um, go ahead. Dorian. It's more so in Filipino cooking. A lot of the times when you refer to a dish, it refers to like a technique. So adobo would refer to. The technique of braising meat, whether it's chicken or pork, and mainly like a soy sauce vinegar base. But um, the adobo that Jake and I do, we have coconut milk in it too. Um, but that's totally different from what my mom would make. So depending on where you go, even if you're in the same region, like someone's mom will totally um, make a different version of adobo. Yeah, and and just like you know, one thing that Dorothy and I learned is. Every single uh, region uh, has their own unique vinegar that they have, um, and they vary widely. Like the, there was a gentleman who spent like 
20 years flying around the Philippines. Um, and, and he has an entire book that he like self wrote that has each village and each town that he would go to each has their own vinegar. So, I mean, and, and that's a good analogy for how much the cuisine varies from region to region. So now that's I mean, flipping fascinating. Yeah. Are they, is it all wine based? Are they flavoring it, them? Some are made with coconut. He said there was one that was like the smoothest, tastiest vinegar he ever had. And it looked like uh, whole milk. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, so like that, cloudy, like cloudy, like that look, looked like whole milk. Wow. He said Opaque. it looked just like whole milk. Like wow. you couldn't even see through it, but he said it was one of the most flavorful vinegars he had. So, I mean, that's just an example of like how different Filipino food is. So, you know, like when people say fusion, uh, a lot of Filipinos kind of like cringe, right? Because it's not really fusion. It's just, there's so many different like nuances to Filipino food than just like, oh, yeah, I've had Filipino food. I ate adobo and I had this and, you know, I had lumpia and, and these three foods, which doesn't really – I mean I, I feel I feel like I could spend the rest of my life in the Philippines and never truly quantify um, what each region of Filipino food is totally about. What, what about the proteins? Or the pro, I mean the proteins have to be – I mean if you're saying tropical, you're not going to have a lot of – Proteins that you would have in the northern region. So, there, well, there's actually, I mean, there's there's pig. Uh, yeah. uh, we went we went to a, a restaurant um, in like uh, what was it about forty five minutes to an hour out of Manila, and they were famous for beef in that region. So, I mean, of course, you've got uh, it's a bunch of islands, so you've got tons of different seafood, you know. So, um, but but and of course, there's tons of chicken. Uh, so, I mean, it's all the same type of proteins that, that uh, a lot of Americans are used to, you know. So maybe not the the large quantities of them all the time, but uh, they're still all very present. So so the uh, the idea that uh, when people think Filipino food and it's like adobo, lumpia, like the type of ideas similar to what people – like pad thai when you have Thai food. or Why do you think that there are particular dishes that seem to – become the zeitgeist or like the, the idea of what is a particular cuisine. Um, why, why has lumpia and adobo kind of stuck as quintessential Filipino food? Is it like, does every, everyone's mom make adobo or lumpia? Pretty much. Like if you go to any Filipino party or gathering, there's going to be lumpia and there's going to be adobo. Like, and like, but even pan, would pants it. Like, so that's a noodle dish, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, and it's, uh, well, it depends. There are several different kinds of pancit. Like, um, if it's pancit bihon, it like the second part of the name will refer to the type of noodle. So the bihon is uh, rice vermicelli. Um, pancit palabok, uh, it's like a shrimp and pork based um, palabok uh, pancit, and they'll have like wider noodles. Um, so there's several different kinds of pancit depending on what you know, what region you're in, and what style that they like to do. So. I don't. I feel like those are the most accessible dishes, um, and I mean that's what I grew up eating. So that, that's like what I'm familiar with. But when we went to the Philippines, when we were in Bicol, um, we had this soup called quinielas, and I had never even heard of it before. Um, it's amazing. And I'm what, and, what, it, what is it? And I'm Filipino, and I've never heard of it before. And then we went to this Filipino food conference, and we were talking to this lady, and she's like, "I've never heard of that before." So. I mean, I think that's what's so amazing about Filipino food. There's just so many things to discover all the time. Um, well, going back to what quinielas is, it's um, it translates to like, what did Billy? So we we were hanging out with our friend Billy, and was it like like removing the face or something? That's yeah, what we yeah, like to? without the face, right? Yeah, so it was yeah. like beef. Face meat, so like cheeks. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And and they make they make uh they make a beef brain gravy, and they make uh, a broth out of the beef bones, and they pull off and cook the head. So so it's they take this thick beef brain gravy, and then they add in the beef stock to it. And um, because because our so a lot of our listeners are probably not going to be familiar with it, um, uh, I'm going to compare it to something that maybe they are. So it's kind of like uh, and they put noodles in it, or sometimes sometimes like dumplings, other ingredients like chili oil and hot chilies and things like that. Um, of course, the beef face meat. Um, but it's closest in comparison to maybe like a shoyu, like a, like a really uh, rich ramen uh, dish. So and, – and like the lady and the gentleman, it was like at the end of their house and they we just like walked up and they taught us how to make it. 
Like they were like, oh, you're chefs? Okay, uh, this is how you make it. Like, uh, And that's one thing that I would say I noticed a lot in the Philippines is the hospitality there. Like if if I had to define one thing, it would be excellent customer service in the Philippines. Like every single person, not that they want to be your friend, but they just provide really good customer service, really good hospitality. So and so what what so that that speaks towards a dining experience. And what about the like the prices, like at the cost of, of a night out, for example? Um, Very cheap. Yeah, so uh, that that uh, Kenny Loss, which was um, you know like about half a gallon of soup, um, was forty eight pesos or forty four pesos, uh, which is it's fifty pesos to the dollar roughly. So it was like ninety. Like it was like ninety five cents. <laughs> cents. So, and, the, and what if you went to like Manila? Uh, it might have been two dollars. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So what? I mean, what do you? Um, I don't know. I hate to generalize it, but what do you attribute the – Joe talked about like two restaurants uh, here. You guys have the pop. What do you attribute the lack of Filipino cuisine in the in the metro area that people are familiar with? What do you think that adds to that? Um, I think a lot of it has to do that Filipino cooking has a very strong home cook culture. Like people just want to eat like their mom's food. Or their Lola or their grandmother's food. Um, so when a lot of Filipinos moved to America, um, they weren't like a lot of other immigrant groups that were very entrepreneurial. And they're like, well, I'm going to open a restaurant or I'm going to open a food business. Like a lot of them went into, I want to be a nurse. Or like they went into other businesses other than food. Um, I don't know why, but most of the time they just wanted to keep their food in their house um, but like through syrup, like I want to take it out of the home kitchen because it's very personal to me and I think it's very delicious and there's so much to explore. So that's like I want to um, raise awareness of it. And there's like a movement of younger Filipino cooks and chefs who are trying to do the same thing. And we've met so many people um, through Instagram and other <laughs> social platforms. Not are, paid for. <laughs> not sponsored. Uh, hashtag no SP. Um, but – is that a hashtag? <laughs> I know we're going to start gonna right look, now. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, so I, I think um, you'll see like a culture shift of people trying to raise awareness of Filipino food, and it's going to be more than just you know the adobo or lumpia um, that you might have had at a party. So, so what what is the um, typical uh, post Philippines trip Surat menu going to look like? Yeah. Hmm. Do you want to do a plug right now for the, the next um, one? Well, well, we we actually um, the we we did. It, it was called Bika. Um, I'm sorry, Bikalandia. Bikalandia, and it was all about. Um, and we did it at the farmer's hand. That that was our our first post trip, and and the whole thing behind it was we're going to br- come back and and talk to the diners about what we learned and what we really feel Filipino is. So one thing that we're definitely going to do is, is we want to have more family style because when I was in the Philippines, one thing that I saw is no one, no one ate alone. It was all family style. It's all about sharing and like uh, talking. And I really like that about food. You know, you don't have to believe in the same thing or even speak the same language to sit at a table and enjoy a meal with people. So, and and that's that's how we want a lot of our pop ups to be. Uh, is feel feel like. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit fancier, um, but still coming and, and sharing food at the table and meeting new people and, and sharing that family style. We're still going to have a couple fancy plated um, events when we like bring some chefs in from other parts of the country that we met. Um, and the next pop up that we're going to do is at Eastern Market. Um, and that's really to highlight um, – uh, like the collaboration between different people. Um, so it's all based on uh, there was a in, end of World War II, there was a whole bunch of Jewish refugees and they didn't have anywhere to go. Even the U.S. said, no, we don't want to accept you. But Manila did. And and I attribute that to their great hospitality and open arms. And, and the theory behind it is we're doing it with Chef Aaron Egan and it's a Jewish Filipino pop-up. So if you were uh, one of those 1,200 Jewish people that stepped off that boat in Manila where pork is very prevalent and shellfish, like what do you eat? And that's what we base the menu around. Like how do you get a taste of home and a taste of the Philippines at the same time, so it's it's a true collaboration, and that's a uh, that's a ticketed. Dinner? That's that's mm-hmm. ticketed April twenty fourth. April twenty fourth. Tickets yep. are available. Tickets are available at uh, seropdetroit.com. 
Great. You, and for everyone listening, can you tell what Sarap is? What's what the name of like? Where oh, what can, does it mean? Like what's yeah, a yeah. Sarap? Oh, in Tagalog, it means delicious. Mm-hmm. So we're literally delicious Detroit. Nice. <laughs> so speaking, is there a um, brick and mortar delicious Detroit coming? Um, uh, we've, we've talked about that quite a bit. Uh, we, we, Dorothy and I both have full-time jobs besides, you know, doing all the, uh, extra stuff for Syrup. So, um, maybe eventually down the line, but, uh, currently, uh, not this year, we're not going to open up one. Um, but you know, uh, we, we do, we do have a much more robust schedule than we did, uh, the previous year. So we'll even be at Nancy whiskeys on April 9th, uh, doing, um, like street food and some comfort food and so forth. So it sounds very exciting. I mean, I, just the lack of the culture, you know, Filipino culture for food in, in the metro area, just to having it is, is very exciting to me. Yeah. Is there a um, uh, pairing, like an alcohol, uh, particular alcohol that Filipino folks drink? Yes. Yeah. All, all, all of, of it. it. All yeah. of it. So, so I mean, I drank I drank a lot of San Miguel, which is like a Pilsner. Um, uh, but, uh, the Philippines are really big on gin, which I didn't know. Like, I think they consume more gin than any other country. Is that right, Dorothy? They consume on average 1.4 liters of gin a year. Liter per, per, per person. person. Per person. Wow. So, um, but, but there's also, there's also a couple other uh, what alcohols. What's the, what's the other alcohol that's really big? Uh, Lampanog. La, yeah. Lampanog. Yes. So I think we might be able to get that here. Yep. Well, I, I have a bottle. If you can't, if we if we need oh, to come back and try it, did you bring it? Oh, yep, man. it's it's right here next to the mayor finger. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's not here. I didn't. See, I thought it was here. But. And um, tequila too, right? Tequila. Yep, I drank you a few like liters tequila. of tequila. The best thing to do after you drink a whole a whole liter of tequila. <laughs> Uh, the next day is to go get a fresh coconut. That you know that coconut water craze. I see where it came from. I, just, I felt it's like got a, electrolytes. I, yeah, I felt like a like a million. Is there a hangover afterwards. food that you have? It's just food. It's just food. yeah. There's no hangover food. Just, just, and just you're eat. constantly eating. Like yeah. the day we went to Beacle, uh, our friend Billy was taking us around, and we ate probably every two minutes. Is there is there uh, it, are the foods mostly a Dinner food, lunch food, breakfast food, or is it all? Is it is there breakfast food? I think yeah, yeah. Right? Can you can you yeah. eat any? I mean, or the stuff that you're talking about is that like mostly for dinner? Is there something? Yeah, the most of the stuff we talked to is like lunch or dinner. But okay. there's uh, there's sea logs, which yeah, which log. means like um, you know, put an egg on it essentially. So <laughs> there's eggs on like uh, so there's top log and tapa is dried beef. Um, there's long log. Which is longanisa, which is a Filipino sausage. Um, it's basically, you know, meat, rice, and then egg on top. That sounds delicious. Jake, Dorothy, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, Salam. Tell, tell everyone where they can find you uh, on Instagram and online. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Syrup Detroit. Um, and our website is com. Awesome. Uh, and then once again... April April twenty fourth, shed five, and then Nancy Whiskey is uh, Sunday, April 9th. Awesome! Thanks everyone for listening to Heard Your Food uh, Beverage and Hospitality Podcast. We'll come at you next time.